1: Welcome to another exciting episode of Bitches on Comics, the podcast where bitches are on comics. My name is Sarah Century, as you may have guessed, and I am here with
2: at least one co-host. Perhaps more. Hello, I am Essie Flenor. I almost introduced myself as Sarah Century, which, you know, says a lot about where I'm at mentally. Fair enough, you know. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Hey, Anytime. I'm super pumped because we have, uh, you know, one of our podcast mainstays, our dear, dear friend, Monica Estrella Negra here with us today. Monica, how you doing? Oh, I'm just peachy. I like the long pause. Was there a pause
3: in the word? I feel like maybe I am swell. Hello, everyone. I'm Monica Estrella Negra. Monica, you do,
2: like, fucking everything. You're an yeah. editor-in-chief. You're a, a filmmaker. Yeah, like, yeah. tell our
3: tell our people about you, just in case they haven't heard from you lately. Roll call. I am editor-in-chief of Speak. I am co-founder of Audrey's Revenge. I've directed four films. Um, and I'm also a professional freelance slacker.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> By slacker, you mean person who works all the time. So, you know, something really cool happened in late December, mm-hmm. which is your film, Bitten, A Tragedy, had its film festival debut. Will you tell us a little bit about how that went and, and what
3: stood out to you from that experience? Absolutely. So my film premiered at Axe Film Festival, and Axe is probably one of the best horror film festivals to have existed um all of my films have been selected there and it's actually a film festival specifically for women in horror and it's been completely diy shout out to hannah foreman and ashley blackwell they are at the forefront of making sure that people are able to see these films that ordinarily would never get to see the light of day It was amazing. It was virtual, whereas, like, in the past, it's always taken place in, like, this theater in Brattleboro, Vermont, but because of the Black Plague that we are currently experiencing, it was all virtual, but, like, the vibes were still, like, very much there. It was a very enlightening experience. And also today, I was able to announce that Bit in a Tragedy is an official selection of the final Girls Berlin Film Festival that will be taking place in February. (laughs) That is so exciting! Congratulations! Thank you! Four years in the making, yo. And just so you know, Sarah Century uh, had a hand in editing this film. So Sarah and it's also so has good. all the it talents. So good. Nicole Solomon, too, yeah? Yep. The folks at Four Mile Circus, Nicole Solomon and Shaw Mannion, produced the film.
2: Mm-hmm. It's such a, a great film, you know? It's such a, a beautiful piece of horror, I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I was like, oh, man, I, I want to tell people to go watch it. But you can't watch it at Axe Wound anymore. It's a limited time period of the film festival. But now we get to check it out for Final Girls. Do you know anything about
3: streaming or is it way too early to know that? I believe that it's going to be streaming virtually virtually. But you would have to go to the Final Girls Berlin website to check out like what the ticket situation is. Um, I'm not going to publicly make it available just yet. um, But if you are itching to see it, I would definitely check out the Final Girls Berlin, especially because they take place in Germany. So I would imagine that they might have some pretty stellar streaming options.
2: Totally. And, you know, if not, Go look up a VPN, y'all. You can be from anywhere and get into a film festival. I didn't say it. Someone else did. But that's very exciting. Congratulations, Monica. That's awesome. Thank you. So cool. So, you know, Bitten is an amazing film. You're also, you write about comics a ton for Comic Book Herald. Who else do you write for?
3: Ooh, who else do I write for? Well, sometimes I write things for Cinespeak, but I probably should because I'm the editor-in-chief. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it might be helpful to do so. Um, so yes, I write for Comic Book Herald, and actually I've been taking a break from writing. Good for you. Don't you have um, a Patreon? <laughs> I do have a Patreon, but it's on break right now, too, because I need to, like, reassess what I'm doing uh, emotionally, spiritually. I think that the pandemic has, like, literally just, like, taught me to just, like, take it easy and not rush. So for right now I'm kind of like revamping my Patreon and I actually plan to do video reviews very soon just because Ooh. I'm getting I got a fancy O light now. I'm joining Ooh. I'm joining the influencer Twitter crowd very shortly. It. So that's going to be happening.
2: I really like um you calling it an O light. I think that's a better name than ring light. I
3: like O light cuz it looks like an O.
2: Yeah. And like it kind of is funny cuz like You know, O for orgasm. That cracks me up. Um, I assume that you're also using it for that, obviously. You need good lighting is all I'm saying. You need Uh, the good lights. (laughs) So, you know, I was thinking about something you just said, Monica. You know, we have an agenda for today, folks. But we get Monica here. I'm going to ask Monica questions. So I would love to talk about this concept of, like, rest and of— slowing down because it's very antithetical to basically all the industries that all three of us work in you know comics is a grind 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 filmmaking you got to be doing this you got to be doing that you got to keep doing here a blah, lot blah, blah. it's like rush 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 so talk to me about why rest is important to you now and how that's manifesting
3: Um, I think that rest is super important because I'm my best creative self when I actually do get rest. And for me, having a Capricorn moon, that is such a major feat because even when I do have days where I, like, have a clear schedule, I still, like, find something to do. And it's kind of like just retraining myself to just realize that I am human and I am alive and, like, sometimes I just need to sit down somewhere in order to, like, reground myself. Just because I feel like I've been going, I haven't really had like a break since March 2020. Uh, once things shut down, it was pretty much like hustle, hustle, hustle. And I've been going strong like since the start of the pandemic. And I haven't really given my time, given myself time to grieve. I think that everybody collectively is grieving, but. A lot of folks don't know how to do that properly. And sometimes when we grieve, we try to pretend that we are not doing it. So we try to preoccupy our minds with staying busy. And I think that that's like overtly toxic. And I think that's also why we're seeing so much violence and anger from people right now, because we haven't been given the space by capitalism to just like take a moment to reassess like what the fuck just happened within the past two years, because a lot has happened. We're not getting any younger, you know what I mean? So there's, like, days and, like, at this point, years of our lives that we've missed out on very significant moments and, like, meetings and networking and whatever else. And we've just had to keep it moving. Like, just being consistently in survival mode is just as tiring as it is to be busy, I feel.
2: It's a different kind of busy, right? It preoccupies your mind so, so deeply.
3: Yeah. I I just feel like I'm my best creative self when I can actually like reground instead of just like burning the candle at both ends. So.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's a conversation that's been going on for a very long time. I think particularly, and tell me where I'm wrong here with black women. And I think a lot about nap ministry and and that incredible, you know, it's an, Instagram page, Twitter page, but it's also like a movement of like, we're not going to wait to rest till the work is done because it'll never be done under capitalism. We're going to rest now
0: Mm -hmm. and we're going
2: to heal ourselves through that rest. And I, I took an actual break over the holidays and... That time, all the message that came through for me is the same as yours, Monica. It's rest. It's slow down. It's take a break. It's breathe. It's all those pieces. And, you know, it's not it's not the message I'm used to receiving. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear it echoed back to me from, from other creatives like yourself. So I'm excited. I think it's great that you're going to continue to take some time and, and keep that, that rest mission front of mind. I love it.
3: Absolutely. And I'm like really excited to see like what comes of it, because I feel like if I give my mind like that idle space, like who knows what world it'll end up venturing into. And then that'll be another world that I can like bring into fruition, like whether it's via film or whether it's through writing or anything of that nature or whether it's like, you know, me pitching a new Real Housewives series. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe we can do a Real Housewives of Gay Freelancers I was picturing,
2: like, Real Housewives of Mordor, but, you know, same difference. Whoa, 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 whoa,
3: whoa. That would be <laughs> sick. Can you imagine? Can you? I feel like Galadriel <laughs> would be that bitch, you know what I mean? Like, that would be so tight. That would be so tight.
2: Oh, that's good shit. That's good shit. Well, I, thank you. You know, I wasn't expecting us to get so heartfelt here at the beginning, but it's fitting. Yeah, I, that's the same sort of conclusion I came to of, like, maybe if I actually rest, I won't look at all of my creative pursuits like, why am I so behind? Which is all I feel, you know, most of the time. And I'm like, I've got to reorient my relationship to that because it's not helping me produce anything and it's not helping me feel good about myself. So maybe it's toxic. Who could say?
3: You know it's messed up when you have dreams about missing stuff in your planner.
2: Ooh, that cuts me deep. Yeah. Cuts me deep. Well, awesome. Thank you. So in that, that vision of rest... Is that what's on the horizon for you creatively is like taking some more downtime and then it sounds like also still continuing to work on Bitten and by work on, I mean, sort of getting it out there. Is that fair?
3: I think that's the priority. And I think I'm also just like making my primary focus to uh, assess like where I want to take the film and also... Mm. sift through old journals and see like what I was working on a couple years ago that I like, can maybe revisit because I feel like because we're at such a rushed pace all the time we have all these ideas we jot them down and we forget about them because we're constantly just chasing the almighty fucking dollar so yeah I just want to like reassess like what I could potentially do like for the next year or so oh wait it is it is a new year whatever time is fake
2: Time is fake, or at least it's certainly not based on this calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Monica, you just you you mentioned something that I think is hard for a lot of creatives and a lot of freelancers, and I I want to dig into it a little bit if you're comfortable. But how how do you figure out that balance? Like, obviously, you've got bills to pay. You've got Batty, your beautiful pity, who is an angel sent from heaven. She needs her food. She needs to be taken care of. How do you find that that spot between how do you be creative and make enough money, and rest. And maybe I'm personally asking you to solve my own problems. <laughs> like, maybe I'm like, Monica, could you plan out my schedule, please? Um, but, you know, I'd love to hear
3: about how you, you know, balance those pieces. You know, I mean, having, like, a steady job, like, the editor-in-chief job is great, but, like, Outside of my creative pursuits, like those have been put on the back burner because like I am just constantly like focusing on like my day to day, like weekly work schedule. But as far as the creative pursuits, I feel like I'm trying to approach them in the way of. I wouldn't say like a hobby, but I feel like, you know, a lot of freelancers have turned like their hobbies into something that became like a monetary like system. So I think instead of me like just trying to pitch out my ideas, I'm just working on it as like something that is my downtime. And then maybe in the future, I'll be able to make money off of it. That's how I'm kind of taking the approach to it. But also, you know, I'm just used to being broke. So I know how to like balance out and what I need. (laughs) i hear that I hear so i'm that. just like okay so this is what i'm gonna get for the week and like whatever else i feel like betty does take all my money though dogs are like kids oh yeah especially big dogs big dogs are like what the hell yeah Why she eats eat so much, much fucking yep. food i'm just gonna yep. start eating her food
2: <laughs> i'm sure that'll feel great i feel like stomach. she
3: eats better than me honestly i don't know possibly <laughs> Like her fucking organic kibble and shit. Um, but, I mean, if your dog eats better, then it's less vet bills. That's kind of how I look at it. They deserve to be treated, too. But, yeah, I don't know, man. It's either that or I'm going to start, like, selling cocaine. So, <laughs> I, you know, nothing is out of out of reach. <laughs> Those are jokes. For legal yeah, reasons, yeah, let me clarify. Those kidding. are jokes. Just kidding, feds. <laughs> LOL. <laughs>
2: Amazing. Well, you know, Monica, thanks for all this. It's, it's exciting to hear about the projects you have going on and how you think about your creative life and balance that with all the real world shit that gets in there. But today we are here to talk about someone you love dearly. Talk to us a little bit about Dr. Afra. Why do you love her? When did you first read her? And yeah, let's kick this, let's kick this baby off in style.
3: I first read her when I agreed to write a review of the Omnibus, but I had heard of her because I am a Star Wars fan. So I wrote an article for Comic Book Herald, which is called To Harm or To Not Harm, uh, the Dr. Afra Omnibus Review. And wow, I completely loved it, especially in her introduction in Darth Vader number three Because I just think it's funny that she literally ended up playing, like, one of the most, like, vicious imperial, like, fascists of, like, the entire galaxy. And she's just, like, this, like, schoolgirl who's just, like, she does what she wants on her own terms. And she just, like, keeps playing people. And she's also just, like, not specifically, like, a hero or a villain. She's just kind of, like, there for herself. Which is also a very interesting concept because I feel like Star Wars loves its... uh, binary characters you're either on the on the good side or you're either in the face of evil and shelly's just like i just want to dig up some cool shit and get some stuff and like maybe make some bank on the side so i can keep doing what i gotta do and i feel like that's just like the ultimate like galaxy like hustle that she could possibly do also her comrades are pretty sweet um i really 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 love triple zero Literally has like the best one liners within that entire series, Um, especially when it comes to ragging on Shelly. I think like Triple Zero keeps Shelly like pretty in line and grounded, like especially when it came to revisiting her past of like when she. Well, this is actually in Dr. Afro. We like learned about like what she did in school. And of course, she was like an agitator in school as well her pseudo-daddy issues that she had with her dad, but really it was just like all about competition at, at the long run because she was like a genius in essence. So yeah, that's how I know about Dr. Afra.
1: I like that the way that she gets one over on Darth Vader is just by knowing how terrible he is because she ends up working for a lot of people who are very terrible for instance darth vader he's terrible (laughs) like all of the star wars comics are just about him killing people across the galaxy and that is true in the darth vader series where she's introduced as well and her way of getting past him is literally just to be like i know that he's so cruel that he'll go out of his way to be cruel like i just know he will and she kind of always has an idea of how she's going to get away from him, which is very much like her, right? Like, I think that there's not that many people in the Star Wars universe who are quite as capable of staying one step ahead of the game as Afra is. And I think that that's a major part of
2: what makes her such a good character. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Dr. Afra always has... She always has her eyes on several different prizes, right? Like, she's always sort of planning, scheming, and reacting. And it's kind of delightful. Like, she's so resourceful. She's so thoughtful. She's such an asshole. And what a combination for someone to be such a well-thought-out asshole. That to me is like, that's art. There's something really special in that. How unlikable she can be sometimes, and yet how totally irresistible she is. Why do you all think that is? Why do we love a schemer so so much?
3: I mean, isn't that a part of our industry? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, because we're all scheming bitches. So. I like, mean, ooh, let's just ooh. let's just keep when it you're real. Right, you're right. I'm just saying. I mean, have we not had a moment where we have worked for people that are absolutely fucking terrible because we just needed to survive? And to do the things that we love to do. I think that's why it's relatable. I'm speaking for myself. In our lives, we have always made like questionable decisions and that may have been like motivated by our own like desire for self preservation. And I think that that is what makes her so relatable.
1: And isn't it the fact too that basically that she thinks that both sides of the fight are spinning their wheels in a way? And it's like one of those situations of, You have a literal fascist regime. So it's pretty clear cut as to who is evil in the Star Wars universe, right? Like you could just point your finger. He's certainly very evil. Darth Vader, any of them. But it's also one of those situations where she sees the Rebel Alliance and is just like, you're all dying. Like there's too many of you. (laughs) Like following this cause that's just going to get you killed and that's all that she can see on that side and so i think that the reason that she has ire for the rebel alliance and that was part of the breakup between her and sana staros right is is that she literally calls her like a rebel sympathizer and stuff because staros is part of the alliance every now and again That was such an ideological difference between them because as many issues as there have been, there's never really a time whenever she believes in what the rebels are doing. And I think that that's interesting because Han Solo does, right? He's kind of like the counterpart. They both have the same (laughs) ex-girlfriend, like kind of the counterpart to her. They dress similarly, you know, all of that. But the thing that's interesting too in the omnibus is there's that whole crossover between them. And she meets Luke, and Luke is basically like, You're a piece of garbage. Like, you're awful. I can't believe how awful and selfish you are. And even whenever Afra helps them, it still is selfishness, right? And so I think that that's part of what is really interesting about her is that. She really is a bad person. She does justify a lot of things that most of us could not justify. Like working directly with Darth Vader is pretty incriminating, right? But at the same time, even whenever she's trying to do something good, she's not just like, and now I'm going to join the Alliance. Like that's not something that's ever been on her radar at all as a possibility even. Like she's just doing the job that she has and she's trying to get by and that's always what she focuses on which is selfish and not great but it does make her a very interesting character as you said Essie because I think that it's interesting to watch a character who's not just gonna always do the right thing and also sometimes she does do the right thing which is like what is the most confusing about her you really never know what she's gonna do so she's like the wild card of the Star Wars universe
2: I love that and I think that goes back to what Monica said about in a universe so invested, right? In a in a property so invested in a it's literally called the dark side and light side, right? Like <laughs> this dichotomy is important to have someone who who blurs that plays on for and against each side and then also for people who are outside of those power struggles, right? Everybody else who's getting screwed over because of the battles between these two groups. And she represents all of that. And I think that's part of why we love her. Listeners, 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 can you believe it's a new year? It is 2022. How? I don't know. But here we are. And that means we've returned with another issue of Decoded Pride. Check us out at decodedpride.com. So, uh, yeah, we're in submissions right now. So if you have a piece of speculative short story or comic fiction, uh, you can submit it. Just go to our website, decodedpride.com. Sarah, Monica, I'd love to hear what y'all are looking forward to with this year's issue.
3: More Sexy, steamy horror stories about your exes that are not Dr. Afra.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or they could be an analog of Dr. Or Afra. The, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm like, what if all of my exes are actually Dr. Afra? It was i was all a joke around on you this. the whole
2: time, Sarah. I'm just going to keep thinking on it.
1: Meanwhile, I would like to see some stories with cats in them cats that wear hats. Are you asking people to write Cat in the Hat? Cats that wear hats on shoulders. I would like to read Cat in the Hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I I'm looking forward to reading a lot of flash fiction. I'm really loving flash. I think it takes a, a special skill to have a short story that has that like final line that makes you go, "Oh, damn!" We have published some amazing flash in the past, so I would love to see more flash fiction. I also would love to see more short comics, so comics that are a page to two pages. Hey, go as long as you want. I love comics so I'll take what I can get, but you know our rates aren't the highest. So make sure you check those out before you start working on your comic. That's at decodedpride.com slash submit. I am also would love to see more stuff that makes me laugh or cry. Hey, if you can do both in the same story, I'll love it. I'll be your biggest advocate. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to reading. You know, and then I also love the whole process. I love getting to work with all the authors once we've selected them and getting to help them perfect their stories and comics and then pulling together the whole beautiful, wild project. So uh, it's going to be an amazing start of 2022. So we are open for submissions through midnight on February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, bitches. And midnight is whatever time zone you're in. We really genuinely don't care. Yeah, make sure you do check out the submission guidelines. You can find our pay rates, all that jazz there. We really, really, really ask you to pay attention to those as you're submitting because it makes our jobs much easier. And we do this for free. So help us out. So yeah, please send us your submissions. You can also um, pre-order a subscription to issue three today. That's also at decodedpride.com. Come help us create more queer and trans science fiction, fantasy, horror, and what can only be described as the very, very weird, all speculative fiction. We appreciate you all and we'll be back to tell you more
0: about it soon. Are you ready to shop? shopify.com slash realm. So
2: for listeners, we got really excited. We jumped right in. So Dr. Afra is an archaeologist, former archaeologist, current freelance archaeologist, no longer tenured, was at one point tenured, has worked for Darth Vader, has worked for the uh, Rebel Alliance has worked for uh, basically you name it. She's worked for him and probably screwed him over. In her immediate cast of characters, there's a rotating group of people, but some of the folks who stick around are Triple Zero, who is a C3PO type droid. He's unlike C3PO, not helpful nor friendly, and loves murder. Then there's BT One, who is a R2D2 style droid and he also loves murder so you know murdering androids to the left of her giant angry wookiee with cybernetic hands to her right and that's black kirstan or kirstan i don't do a good wookiee yell i don't speak wookiee if i'm being real you know she got her dad and like her mom is, comes up but is in the past story and then a bunch of girlfriends which is very exciting. It's like, ooh, what cute girl are you going to kiss in the next comic run? And that's Dr. Afra. So, you know, she's stuck in the Star Wars universe between, you know, the Darth Vaders and the Emperors of the world and the Luke Skywalkers and Princess Leias of the world. And she likes to steal artifacts. She's kind of an Indiana Jones, but rather than it goes in a museum, she's like, pay me for it. And I like that about her personally. As Monica noted, she was introduced in Darth Vader number 3. That was written by Kieran Gillen. Art by Salvador LaRocca and colors by Edgar Delgado. She also has two standalone series. One is Star Wars Dr. Aphra starts in 2016. That one was written by Kieran Gillen and Cy Spurrier. Art by a smattering of people, including Kev Walker, Mark Deering, and Casper Wingard. Colors by Antonio Fabella and Lee Luffridge and then others. Then there's Star Wars Dr. Afra 2020. Yes, recently it started, and we love it. And that one is written by Alyssa Wong. Art by a smattering of folks, including Marika Cresta, Ray Anthony Haidt, Robert Gill, Victor Alazaba, Minkyu Jung, Federico Sabatini. Most of the colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Rochelle always rocks those colors, so it's delightful. And then letters by and large by Joe Caramagna, but not always. Then there's, of course, the Dr. Afra annuals for 2017, 18, and 19. Those are delightful, but we're not going to talk about those as much. So if you didn't have your pencil out for that, don't worry. We will include in the show notes a couple different titles you can go read to, you know, learn more about Dr. Afra if you haven't had the pleasure.
1: I like that she's an archaeologist because I like the fact that they make her be morally questionable because when you were talking about how she's kind of like Indiana Jones, I feel like there's this whole cultural push to be like this heroic guy who... Literally is stealing artifacts and putting them in museums, and we all know how suspect museums are when it comes to that, right? Like, there's tons of people who are like, "Maybe give that art back to us." <laughs> museums are like, "It belongs in a museum." <laughs> and so, I think that we just give him a little bit more credit than we should. He's a fictional character, obviously, but you know, it turns into this big heroic thing. Don't get me wrong. I love like watching Indiana Jones movies, but there's a problem there because I think that it's so glorified. So I like it when archaeologists show up and they're just like, no, straight up, I'm pillaging for sure because I just feel like it's a lot more honest. This character and then Barbara Minerva, who's like another queer icon, (laughs) are both archaeologists who are just kind of not the best of people, right? Like once again, morally complicated, but you know, kind of a bad guy. And so I like that. I like the fact that they gave Star Wars an archaeologist, I guess, and didn't make them be a hero. I like all of that part.
3: I'm also, okay, not to be that person, but also to be that person. Okay, so the Jedi Order and like the Imperials or whatever, I mean, even though there's like a very like strict line between one is very good and one is very evil, I feel like structurally they still operate in that same way. And I think that's why Shelly just doesn't fuck with either of them, because there's no room for like complete autonomy, like within like the world like where she can just like do her own thing. And I think that's probably why I like her so much is because it kind of works. And I, I know it's like very faux pas to make like real life political like connections between the Star Wars universe and the real life universe. But like at this time, in this moment, It's kind of like how it's like the Republicans and the Democrats and like how each of these sides are like, you know, one is written to be like very evil and one is written to be like the saviors. But at the end of the day, like as far as their praxis, like they are virtually the same thing and they're causing a lot of damage to the general population because of their own like bullshit, essentially. okay,
2: this is like my rant I go on every time someone's like. Why aren't you more into Star Wars? And I'm like, I literally only want to watch the characters who are not part of these things. So, like, I like Boba Fett. Like, yes, he's a bounty hunter for, like, some people and shit. I haven't watched the new show. So, if you love it, please come tell me on Twitter. But be nice because, you know, you don't know me that well. And, yeah, that's what I like so much about Dr. Afra too, is, like, she feels like the rest of us. Like, we're stuck between forces we can't control. For better or worse, truly, she doesn't really have much of an effect overall. She just kind of topples some evil people, but sometimes to help other more evil people. And sometimes just because that's what she feels like is the right thing. And that is highly relatable. My beef is the force is just the force, y'all. It's like anything else. If it occurs naturally, it is neither good nor bad. It is neither dark nor light. It cannot be bifurcated and said, well, but we're going to touch the light side, so but we're never going to touch the dark. I really thought in the most recent film trilogies they were going to go there, and then I was like, what was I thinking? Of course they're not. And that's what I like about Dr. Afra. I feel like she's like, you know what? This is all a lot of bullshit. I don't need any part of it. Y'all are saying you're evil. Y'all are saying they're evil. You have similar tactics as you were saying, Monica, which is so true. You have... Similar aims, even though you define them completely differently. And I just, I really want to steal this ancient artifact. So that's what I'm going to focus on. That feels right to me.
1: Yeah. I also enjoy all of the relationships that are in, and I mean that across the board. I think that her relationship with the droids is fascinating because she clearly knows that Triple Zero is the very, very worst. And I think that she feels really comfortable with that because she's like, I know what you will do. You will betray me for sure. I just think that whenever she has a good grasp on what people are. It makes her feel a little bit better. And that's her criteria of who she chooses to be around. And then I liked that her relationship with her dad was so fascinating because he is, you know, the first person who's out here pushing to get her license revoked and like all of this. And she's like, you left my whole childhood in tatters. You like ignored... My mother and all of this. But it's like all of the criticisms that she has. Afra repeats so many of his mistakes, right? Like nobody can depend on Afra. Afra is always doing some other thing. I just think that that was really fascinating to see because you normally have these like binaries. We talk about that too, where it's just like good dad, bad dad, you know, or something like that. And I just liked this because it was like complicated dad. But then also as angry as the things that he did make her, she repeats his mistakes like all of the time. And I think that that's more realistic because, you know, as much as we could be mad at our parents, sometimes we do repeat the same mistakes because that's just like what you grow up around. So I liked that. I just think that they go out of their way to make Afra be a super complicated character and that's super rare not just in Star Wars though. It's rare in any franchise. So that's part of why she's so valuable, I think.
2: Especially as a queer woman of color, right? Like that's that's all the more rare for a queer person, a queer woman and a queer woman of color to be in this sort of I mean, I guess we call it anti-hero. Like, she's pretty clearly an anti-hero. So, like, in that anti-hero role, that doesn't often happen. We don't get to see a lot of, you know, people behaving badly. It reminds me of our conversation we had at the end of 2021 with Tina Horn and G. Romero Johnson about Safe Sex Volume 2 and Denis and how Denis acts poorly. And, you know, Tina was like, oh, I kind of feel bad. You know, like, it's our only non-binary character. And I was like, no. It'd be, and then she was went on to say, we, we both agreed, you know, like, no, it'd be a disservice not to show non-binary people fucking up because that's actually important, right? Because I fuck up all the time. And being a non-binary person, I would love to know I'm not the only non-binary person who fucks up all the time. So I think that's what's really cool too with Dr. Afra is, is she, I mean, the Star Wars universe does not love queer people. It does not treat characters of color very well across the board, I think we can say very, very clearly. And so, you know, to have this amazing character who who gets to live you know she yeah she gets close to death she kind of fakes her death a lot so you kind of have (laughs) comics where you're like is she dead at the end then you like read the next one you're like no she's fine it's cool um you know like I think that's really cool to have someone who thwarts so much of that heavy expectation on queer characters and and again queer men of color to be perfect Val, you know have valor help everyone be generous and kind and caring and never double-cross anyone. And Dr. Aphra was like, hey, I'll double-cross literally anyone, including Darth Vader. You're like, you know what? Respect. I respect that.
3: And I think that's why she's so underrated within the Star Wars like community because we already know what the Star Wars community is on. Um, I think that she's like a very smart and complex character and a lot of people were just not ready for her existence within the canon, honestly.
1: They're like, why doesn't she do the thing I want her to do? And Aphra is like, I will never <laughs> do the thing that you want me to do. And then she blows up everything because I don't everything. even do the
3: thing that I want to do half the time. <laughs> right? Exactly. And that's what makes her so awesome. And also, can we just talk about like her? Just like her wit. Like, I think she has, like, some of the best, like, clapbacks ever. She's so funny. Yeah, she's just, like, hilarious and just, like, her her comebacks, like, even when she was, like, talking to Luke or whatever. And she kind of, like, just kind of brushes off, like, Luke Skywalker. Like, I feel like Luke is just so used to having his ass kissed, you know? And yeah. she's just kind of, like, whatever. Like, okay, guy in yeah. robes who can move stuff. That's great. Um Where's my money? Um, So I just think that that's like amazing because I feel like, you know, Luke is just like untouchable and everybody loves him and he's great and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole franchise, right? Yeah. So I think that's also why she's kind of like an anomaly. Yeah. We never
2: talk about like how lucky he is. He's just really fucking lucky. He gets to have like incredible connection to the force. It's like, if I was Afro, I'd be like, pfft
3: pretty boy like literally you are royalty like you were born into royalty like even though you grew up on Tatooine and like blah 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 okay got it even still if it weren't for like the rebel resistance or whatever like Luke could not have done like all that stuff like on his own and I just like hate the fact like I mean so many people were like crying about like him dying in the last Jedi and I was just like who cares I don't care And I think that's why I also just, like, kind of attached myself to this comic, because I I definitely see it as kind of, like, a rebirth of, like, a a good and positive direction of the Star Wars fandom. Because, like, admittedly, I've kind of dropped out after so many repetitive themes and just, like, very predictable, like, characters
1: This is why I always think the comics are better, though, because they get to get away with a little bit more. There's a little bit more leeway and there's so many comics that it's like Darth
3: Vader is terrifying in the comics. Oh, absolutely. The Darth Vader series is scary.
1: Yeah. And Anakin, when they show him, he has a point like his ideas and the reason that he's questioning the Jedi I felt like when I watched the movies, I was like, right, none of this makes sense. But then when I watched Clone Wars, I was like, okay, this makes more sense. I can kind of see where Anakin's coming from. And and then the comics, I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy's like dead right, like in the beginning. You know, it's like he does the thing that every, that like a lot of people who are right about things does, which is then all of a sudden he takes it to the extreme of I'm now a fascist, like an intergalactic fascist. But it's like you see his point to begin with and how he appeals to people in power by his like questioning of things and calling things out and like all of that. So I think that that was pretty interesting. But the comics are the reason that we have Dr. Aphra because God knows that Disney is not... (laughs) Disney is not like let's get this like problematic lesbian on the screen,
3: right? Like, <laughs> I just don't think that that's. A don't thing. hold your breath on the hope it's not gonna happen. And even if they do, she'll have like a cameo spot for like five seconds, and then that'll be it. Or
1: they'll introduce her as a fifteen-year-old, like they're doing with America Chavez. They're just like, haha, she's fifteen. We don't have to deal with that. <laughs>
2: like. We don't have to deal with anything, do, 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 anyway. Because fifteen-year-olds can't be gay—that's a rule. Ugh. that is absolutely what's going to happen. Is they're going to yeah. be like, "Oh, she's fifteen. She's busy kicking star-shaped holes to other dimensions." And I'm like, "And kissing ladies, but fine. And
1: kissing ladies, and all of the things." <sighs> and that's that what Doctor Africa gets that. to do. Yeah. She kisses ladies, yeah, which is yeah. what, of course, love, every part that. of the conversation is building towards. Because we have to talk about how her exes are the best characters <laughs> in the entire, in They're every so series. Great. In both of the series are so great, isn't it? The first one we meet is Sana, right? Sana, Sana Staros, and yeah. that is the one who also dated Han Solo and so i think that that's really fun but i also think that it's super fun because the first time we see them is like she's super kind of adversarial with afra and afra's just like okay you know and just kind of like brushing it off and then you start to see why she's like oh yeah you're still you you haven't changed and afra has Mm -hmm. that great line of, where did we go wrong? And Sana says, we met. And it's just like, whoa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's incredible. And then, of course, comes back many times through the series and is always one of the very best characters. That's a character who it's like, give her a series because we all want to read that. But She is a really, really good foil to Afra because you can tell that Afra can get away with nothing in her presence. (laughs) Like, it's like she already knows. She knows what you're going to do. She's like has no good opinion of you, really.
2: Mm -hmm. I love it. Like, all of her, like you said, all of her exes are just like fantastic. Magna, the former imp who like turns to the rebellion because of she falls in love with Afra, and you're like what the hell and then they like they're like still pissed off at each other and they keep like kind of setting each other up for stuff and then like kind of letting each other out of it you know like they leave a loophole so a person can get away or whatever it's really cute and I love that they get like a full page spread where they're kissing you know it just feels like you get to see queerness so it's just present throughout the the comics and I don't know like I didn't expect I didn't dare hope to turn a page in a Star Wars comic and see two women sharing a passionate kiss in like green lighting. Like that's so beautiful. And I love it. It's it's so delightful.
1: Tolvin is really great too because Tolvin doesn't know Afra. Like Tolvin learns who Afra is in the series and it is messed up. Yeah. And it is just like. Excruciating in all of the ways because I'm like, I've totally dated at Dr. Afra. I have dated like three Afras, (laughs) like people who are just like (laughs) terrible to you. And then like a year later, you get a text from them where they're like, Miss you, or something like that. I'm just like, That's Afra. Like, I feel like I've dated Afra for sure. You see Sana, and Sana's just like, Nope. Uh uh. And then like, We've done this. I'm mad. And then Tolvin, you're just like, oh no, (laughs) like you don't know how bad it is with this character. And of course you can tell by the time we get into the next series where we deal with another one of her exes, you can tell that she's kind of pushed them away and in a way it was to protect them, but
3: also yikes, you know? Red flags all around. Exactly. (laughs) Red flags all around. Dr. Aphra, they should just put red flags like on the cover. This is what you need to look out
2: for. Like, you are not going to be able to stop yourself from falling in love with this woman, and you will regret it every day of your life thereafter. Enjoy.
1: Yeah, (laughs) because there's something very attractive about this kind of character, because you know they always get you on their side. Like, that's one of the biggest things about her is, is that she's so charming. Even in that first issue of the 2020 series, right? There's, like, this whole scene where these people bust in, and she's just like hey, maybe we could work things out, like trying to be cool. And then they're like, yeah, right. You'll betray us. And she's like, you know what? You're right. (laughs) And just like. (laughs) And then she does. And then (laughs) then she does. (laughs) Yeah, because she does on top of it, on top
2: of it. She double betrays Exactly, exactly, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> it's just like I love it man and like I just keep coming back to Black Kirsten who's who's the Wookiee that I just think is really a hilarious character and she's like so afraid of him right but she also knows how to manipulate him and so she's like constantly whispering to people on the side like don't say that do not say that say that in front of him or he will kill me <laughs> like i need him to believe i'm going to pay him back all the credits at the end of this <laughs> this score you know <laughs> and he, and he's like i th- you know i think too everyone who wants to kill her also like like she has the same relationship with her lovers as she does the people who want to kill her which is they're like <laughs> i really think i should kill you and damn it if you aren't just so charming and i just can't help myself <laughs>
1: She's like, I got an offer that you can't refuse. And they're just like,
2: uh. <laughs> You're right. And then I'm going to kill you. And she's like, teehee, we'll see.
3: <laughs> uh, so the message of the story is, is don't date charming, rogue archaeologists. Um, can't make any promises. But maybe, you know, maybe we can fix her. Can we fix her? Is she fixable? Everybody thinks so. Tolvin thinks so. I guess if
1: we
2: ask all of her exes.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: Tolvin's like, I'm on this. I'm going to do it. I got this. It's cool. I'll just be such a good person that you'll become more of a good person just by being around me.
3: <laughs> That's that. That's not how it works, but you know.
2: Tolvin. And then there's like Professor, is it Professor Uka or Oka who like dated her in grad school maybe? Yeah. Who's just like y'all need to stop listening to this bitch. And she, like, but at the same time, she's really good at finding shit, but like, don't trust her. But also I might still be in love with her. is like,
1: you act like this is all my fault. And she's like, isn't it always? <laughs> isn't it
2: always? Yes. <laughs> Which is just like such a good line. You're like... I have read 50 issues of you Dr. Afra and it is always your fault. It is <laughs> That's
1: always. the thing too is I think Afra is the master of great dialogue and great one-liners and as we were talking about so funny but the only people who are funnier
2: than her is her exes. <laughs> Absolutely. If you like a salty ex dynamic, you can't do better. You can't this do better. This is than the Dr. one Afra. for you. <laughs> yeah, which I I'm here for salty exes. There's nothing I like more. Like it's so personal, you know. When they're mad, it's like so pointed.
3: (laughs) Damn it! Yeah.
2: Oh, and they're right,
1: right? Like nine times out of ten, and your exes, oh, can tell people too much about you. (laughs) Like you're just like, oh god, what a burn! You burned me with who I am. (laughs) Um, Oh god, what a burn! (laughs) (laughs) I think that's Dr. Afra's internal narrative whenever she's around her exes. Oh god, what a burn! Yeah, I've been burned again because she knows. She's like, yeah, I get it. Been burned and I deserve it. (laughs) Well, at least
3: she has. she's self-aware that she can be a piece of shit, right? Come on. I give her that. I think that she's a little too aware of it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's so
2: aware that it's gone from like being, you know, like when you have a bad habit and you're like self-aware of it and you stop doing it. She's gone to that side you get to where you're like, well, fuck it. This is just who I am then. These are my bad habits. (laughs) She is on that level. Yep. Toxic, toxic, toxic. My bad habits are fighting despots and then betraying them. So they kill everyone. I wanted to
1: say, too, because uh, Deda, right? Is that the character's name that's introduced in the 2020 series? Mm-hmm. The one with the spikes in her hands? Yeah. And uh, she, Afra's Afra. Like she walks up and is like, I'm such a big fan of your work. <laughs> <laughs> and then she does it to the next person, and Afra's like, Oh, she's good. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Exactly, and then Africa gets to the end and is like, "Oh yeah, I knew you were betraying us." And she's like, "How?" She's like, "This one sentence,
3: and also you're me."
2: (laughs) This is so good.
3: It's like that Spider-Man meme. (laughs) It's exactly like that. It's you. No, it's you. Oh, God. Here we go. I feel like, you know, what's so cool about these
2: comics is, like, they're just such a good setup, right? Like, to have an archaeologist in this world of myth and the Force and the void and the this. And so then we get to learn all these little tidbits of other things, right? Like, so we get to learn about, I cannot remember their name. It's, like, a lot of vowels who were, like, the pre-Jedis and, like, how their society fell because they were so obsessed with the Force, you know? And it's, like, ooh, interesting. What does that mean for the Jedi? So it's like it's cool if you know the wider Star Wars universe but also if you don't like I don't read a ton of Star Wars comics I've seen the movies I don't watch all the shows I'm not that into it but Dr. Affer makes me feel like Oh, God, man, this is the part of Star Wars I'm really into. It's like, oh, adventures and like shooting and then Darth Vader's here and then he's gone and then he's back and he's always looming. And that's what makes him so scary, right? Like you never know when you're going to turn a page in a Dr. Aphra comic and Lord Vader's just going to be walking through a door and you're like, "Mm -hmm, how's she going to get out of this one? It's like by lying, by lying, stealing, and lying some more.
3: Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm
2: and it's
1: delightful and because she goes through life just with a like 17 different vader scenarios in her head because exactly. she knows <laughs> she's like
2: i've betrayed this guy like 17 times <laughs> like this guy's going to kill me eventually and, um,
3: eventually yeah i'm
2: hoping it's not soon yeah that's i feel like that's exactly her motto It's wild. I think it's also such a fun read because that sort of backstabby thing, you might think it would get old, but I never once felt like it got old. I constantly was like, wow, again? Like, I didn't see this (laughs) twist coming. Like, it's so good. Because it's never like, it's not just like, oh, Afra's working against you. Womp, womp. Although sometimes it is like that. It's also sometimes like, Afra saw you double crossing her and then her double crossing you and then you double crossing her again and then that guy was going to double cross you so she figured out how all the double crosses were going to work out and positioned herself to have the (laughs) best outcome and you're like what the fuck like I could I could never think that far ahead you know like maybe I'm too much of a stoner but I would be like listen I've been double crossed that makes me sad (laughs) Or dead, and Doctor Afra's like still living. I'm still here. Yeah, it's one of those things where
1: I, if I get like three steps ahead, and I'm like, this person's gonna do this to me. I'm just like, you know, we're just gonna have to let him. Like, I, just, I like start to make a plan, and I'm like, <laughs> I can't. However, Afra. Afra is like all the way ahead because she knows and she's done it enough times to other people that she's just like, let's go ahead and have like a bunch of contingency plans, which I enjoy. Yeah, it's truly a great comic. It's kind of hard to think of anything that I don't like about this comic. I'm like, I think that the pacing is always good. It's been some of the best writers of the industry working on it. Some of the best artists of the industry working on it. It just kind of gets better and better. This like most recent volume that started in 2020, but it's like, I don't know, I think close to issue 20 now or something. That story is always really good too. I've been enjoying a lot what Alyssa Wong has done with the character because I feel like it's been kind of, oh yeah, this is like who this is, but introducing new characters that I really liked and kind of setting a new status quo And not really retreading it or anything. Like you get the info you need and then it just keeps it moving, which I think is great.
2: Yeah, and and it's another case where it's like the first series was so good and the second series might be better. And like, that's incredible. So you can read, if you've never read a single Dr. Aphra comic, you can start with Dr. Aphra number one. It's Star Wars colon Dr. Aphra if you're looking for it in Marvel Unlimited because it'll take you a long time if you don't. Or I think you can search Dr. Afra and it will come up. And then the 2016, you can start with issue one and it's like a delightful ride and then you get to the second series and it's like more more amazing even is it is it better is it like I don't know but I'm fucking loving it and that is how I felt the entire time reading it I even liked the annuals I thought they were such fun Mm -hmm. you know sort of peek behind the stories of some of the secondary characters in in Dr. Aphra which was delightful and to just see her from you know, obviously the comics are predominantly from her POV, sort of how she, you know, we're the camera behind her, sort of like watching what she's doing. And those annuals sort of present her to you from the perspectives of people who've been screwed by her, sometimes as they're getting screwed by her the first time. And you're like, oh my God, I totally see why everyone hates Dr. Afrin. Damn, do I love her, you know? <laughs> hmm I want to
1: note too that you can borrow most of the volumes through Comicsology for no charge so that's oh i didn't know that. reading it for either cheap or free i didn't know that that's cool it's like all of them too you can borrow the entire first season i think or series i think and then you can also borrow the first two volumes out of three i think of the new series so yeah you can read a whole bunch of dr afra on comiXology just by borrowing if
3: you subscribe and I'm starting my petition to have this made into a Disney miniseries, but like, I don't know how far that will go, but it's worth a shot. <laughs> All right, you'll be it's in charge, charge of it, of right? a shot. I'm in charge of it. It's worth a shot. I feel like I have enough influence <laughs> to get this made, but like, it probably won't happen. But you know, they own the rights. So there's that. There's fucking that. Anyway, <laughs> that's my rant. That's all. That's all I have to say. Whatever.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. It, is it all you have to say? Because uh, I was going to say,
3: too. any final thoughts? Uh, so, yeah, um, Dr. Afra, Great series. I love her, even though she is extremely problematic. I would love to have like a solo series just about like her relationship with Sana Staros, like a deep dive into that, because I think that that would be really fascinating. Because also I think that Sana is an amazing character and deserves a bit more of the limelight, something that doesn't involve like her story with like Han Solo, because I really just like don't give a shit
2: pass we all have a Han Solo behind us if we're by, mm-hmm. or dated men at one time mm-hmm. and you don't you don't need to keep them around yeah I mean I think that's the other piece that maybe we didn't say directly but I, I, I take to be part of your point here Monica or at least one of the gaps I see is like there really are not very many representations of sapphic couples where both women um, or both sapphic people are people of color it's pretty rare. And so it's such a precious thing when we can, when we can have that. So I, I would love to see a series where that's the case as well.
3: Absolutely. And also just like, you know, making more characters, especially women of color as anti-heroes. I feel like there's been like so many white characters that have been given that like ability, like you said earlier, Essie, um, have been given the the space to be problematic in these ways. Um, where it's like it's not so much Based on like their identity, but as like who they are as people, and just like making them as relatable as possible that we all like have elements of ourselves that we we should not be proud of, and just like how we can work through it, um, and just showing like that complexity and depth. Like I, I feel like that is owed to us. So absolutely, mm. Doctor Afra, ten ten in my book. <laughs>
2: So you did You did have some final thoughts, which were fucking beautiful. That was all I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> more Afra, more Afra. That's what we have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think we're all huge fans. You know, I, I don't think I'd read any of Afra before we decided to do this episode. So thank you both for pushing me in that direction because I'm like, oh, she's one of my, I don't actually keep count of anything, but I'm just going to go out and say top 10 favorite characters in comics certainly in the big two. And I think it's just so refreshing, I think for all the reasons we have described here. So listeners, we will be linking to Monica's amazing review of the Dr. Afra Omnibus. So make sure you check that out in the show notes. We will also link to where you can find Monica on social media, but do you want to go ahead and tell folks now as well?
3: Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Audrey Revenge, or you can find me on Instagram at audries.revenge.film. Amazing. Thank
2: you so much. You know, Monica, it's always just like a ding ding delight to have you here with us. You are a treat. You have such great insight into representation and comics and, and film and art and just, you know, rest. And oh, my heart's so full. I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so grateful for this wonderful conversation. And I'm so
3: grateful for Dr. Afra.
2: uh Sarah, you're Always the best. I Woo! love you. Sarah Sarah
3: Sarah Sarah Sarah, 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 Sarah,
2: Speech. There
3: is
1: a cat standing on my shoulder.
3: <laughs> is it Kyoko?
1: It is Kyoko standing exactly on my shoulder. She's like, I got your back.
3: She's like your parrot. You could be a pirate, but with the cat <laughs> on your <laughs> shoulder.
2: I am <laughs> <are laughs> sensing
3: a In new comic.
1: With like a cat.
3: Yes. I just long to just like come see you and you answer the door (laughs) with
1: Kyoko on my shoulder. Oh my god, that's so cute.
2: Thank you for listening to Bitches on Comics. We are a bi weekly podcast where we talk to your favorite comics and pop culture creators and critics about what matters to them in comics and pop culture, as you might have guessed. You can follow us on Twitter at, at BitchesOnComics and on Instagram at, at BitchesOnComics. Our website is brace yourself, bitchesoncomics.com. If you go there, you can listen to any of our episodes. And we've got other shit that we put on tabs. I don't remember what it is. I am in charge of updating the website, however, so good
1: luck. Thanks for the heads up. I'll go to this website now. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those.
2: I'm Essie Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at se underscore flenor.
1: Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at
2: earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land the Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization.